Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mind Vine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris Bovey. So we are pleased to be joined on our Mindvine podcast by Christina Stevens, a senior reporter at Global News. Uh, I know you've got you wear a bunch of different hats, but you do focus a lot on lifestyle and health reporting. A lot of human rights reporting, human really, rights. whatever whether it's a person with disabilities or, or other, a lot of human rights stories. I know, and when uh, you've been to Ontario Shores a couple times, and we've always gotten to pretty interesting chats about uh, media and mental health and that's why we wanted to have you on kind of have that perspective and Chris and I both have a background in, in uh, print journalism um, mine a number of years ago what's Chris. that <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it's just online now it's <laughs> yeah, just on paper it still yeah. exists yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know from my perspective looking back uh, at some of the, the stories I would have covered and kind of my knowledge base around mental health was probably pretty low right it mm. led to some like by I wouldn't say maybe bias is a strong word but it certainly wasn't informed reporting all the time like not um, I could have been more informed I guess is probably a better way of putting it yeah. and uh, part of that had to do with the times uh, mental health wasn't something that we talked about suicide was something we certainly didn't report on and uh, it wasn't a conversation that had happened in our newsroom very often. It was just a completely different time. And uh, I'm wondering from your perspective, in, in your career, have you seen kind of the evolution of where mental health kind of fits into like this decision-making around stories? And 100%. Uh, there, there has been a huge evolution, thank goodness. Uh, I remember when I started out, you know, the very word suicide was barely ever uttered. In any news media, let alone on broadcast, there was idea. This idea, if you talked about any suicide, it would encourage copycats, and there, and there wasn't a full discussion of it. If there was reporting on a high-profile individual, for example, it would just here's what happened. Whereas now, I think it's evolved a lot that people want to talk about this. Take Robin Williams for an example. It wasn't just there weren't just stories. Here's what happened. Robin Williams took his own life. There were a lot of stories that came out of that about depression, about mental illness, about getting help. And I think that's a big switch from what it would have been like several years ago. I'm just wondering, I think we've evolved as media, but I wonder as news organizations, sometimes the specialty is disappearing. I mean, you have a great connection and you cover, but we'll see sometimes in print that the person that may be covering a mental health story might be the crime reporter, might be the court reporter, might be the city yeah. hall. And, and I'm just wondering from your perspective, is, is there concern that that specialty of someone like you or an Andre Picard is sort of diminishing in the media? It's very difficult. The media has to do more and more with fewer and fewer resources. So it does make it more difficult. It's hard to have a specialization. I am very lucky. I get time to work on projects and do investigations. And that does make a difference, not only with your depth of knowledge. And I think generally, it's fair to say the average person does not know much about mental illness and journalists are the same, right. but also about the type of coverage you can do. If I, if I have more time to dig into a story like that, uh, I can talk to an actual person who's impacted. I was, I was reading an article that was very critical about media coverage of mental illness, and it rightly pointed out that in many stories, the, an actual person who has a schizophrenia or depression or whatever it may be is not actually part, part of the of story. The story. Yeah. There is no voice there. Right. And I think that's a fair comment, but you also have to understand within news, if you have to turn something around that day, it's very difficult mm -hmm. to get those voices. And because of the stigma that exists, 
a lot of people just they don't want to speak out about it and share their story. So it's it's a double-edged sword. We need those stories. We have to put them out there in order to change the stigma mm -hmm. and get the conversation going. But in order to do that, you have to get past the stigma. I think it becomes a balance of time because in today's world, I agree, it's still difficult to, to have people come out and, and talk about their very personal issues. But it's nowhere near as difficult as it used to be. Absolutely. Uh, people, and especially with uh, social media playing such an integral role in our day-to-day -day lives, finding people with schizophrenia, with depression, who are willing to, to speak, is you know it, it makes it possible. You can reach those people. It's just there's so many demands on on the world in general. And like you mentioned, like how how many demands there are on, on reporters. I guess it's trying to find the balance between the time to get the story out, the deadline that you're 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 facing, and the time you need to reach out to to those people. And they, sometimes the two just don't mesh. Absolutely, and even getting the story to air, there are fewer reporters in your average newsroom yeah. now. Yeah. So when they're deciding in the morning how many stories, which story they're focusing on, and that one is going to take a lot of resources, and they're saying, I don't know if we're going to get a full story on. Well, maybe that one doesn't get the full story because of that challenge. Yeah. And I think most reporters want to do a good job. I mean, I think, I think we can be honest that some news outlets may pander more to the sensational, to the in-depth stories. But I see it as, you know, a failure maybe on the mental health system, too, as far as we need to be part of the solution. So what can we do as organizations or people in mental health to properly inform or support journalists that may be covering these complex issues? I think very similar to any other organization, be available, be responsive, uh, you know, bring stories to us. We, we talked about a lack of time for research, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Bring great stories with real human beings, real stories to us and, and hand it to us. Hey, here's the person you want to talk to who's been through this experience. Here's the expert that can provide some larger perspective and education on it. And a lot of times that way that will get out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's what Daryl has been doing with some of the stories we've been working on and that has allowed us to do the kind of stories that we're doing. Right. One of the things about mental health, it's come a long way in a short period of time. And in terms of just being able to, to speak about it, having patients' stories. And I think there is a real um, greater sense of understanding when somebody's going through uh, depression or somebody's dealing with anxiety. But when you start talking about the more severe mental health issues, more severe mental illnesses, maybe that result in a not criminally responsible verdict um, that includes violence, there is not the same level of understanding. There's not, 100%. They're 100%. Especially like you mentioned, the crime type of stories, uh, the instant public response, you see it, mm -hmm. but they're getting off. They're, they're walking yeah. away. Yeah. You know, and I think, again, it comes back to trying to do more, I think, proactive stories. You, you know, um, there was one I was working for on for a while. It hasn't come to air yet, but you know, someone who was there, who committed a crime, who hurt another individual, but has since turned their life around. Now they have to live with that. Mm -hmm. And even right. though that wasn't them per se, to get those kinds of stories out so people can see it from that perspective instead of just, you know, here here's a horrible tragedy that mm -hmm. happened, and here's a person to blame. Yeah, right? I think it's we have to be a, proactive and do those other stories as well. A, it's tricky because it's such a complicated illness, right? When mm -hmm. you're talking about something that's resulted in a, in a death or a, or a, um, that's something that's had to be adjudicated in the court of law, it's so complex. And I would imagine as a storyteller, it's difficult to articulate to your viewers in a one-minute spot. 
Mm. Exactly. I think it's it's really difficult. And you have to, you know, a lot of times just focus on, obviously, if it's a court decision, the main points, here's what the judge said, the defense, the prosecutor, you don't have time to get into any of the background and the understanding of mental illness or anything like that. So the takeaway in, in those situations is, is pretty superficial. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, where we've come as a society. We're very kind of, we want short, instant information. We're reactive instead of proactive. So if somebody with a mental illness commits a sentinel event, it's easy just to report on that and everybody have an opinion and it grows, as opposed to a reporter or someone saying, okay, let's go back and look at the 10 years prior to this and see where the system failed this individual. Like, that's a harder to do and, and it's easier to kind of react to the to these sentinel events. It is, and because it is such a complex issue, it's, it's you know, we've talked about the stigma. I think societies have come a long way in in reducing stigma around visible disabilities. This is an invisible disability. And so it's harder for people, you know, on a, on a simple level to kind of wrap their minds around and to have understanding of. So it is, it's so complex. And, and like Daryl said, I mean, I'm lucky if I get two minutes right. for mm-hmm. a story. Um, it's hard to get into something as complicated to, as yeah. this and to try and get some understanding of it in that short of a time. Right. In the stories that you've done over the years uh, about mental health or about mental illness, um, I think of the one that you were just at Ontario Shores for about Chelsea. Uh, and one of the benefits. She makes about, me smile. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's I just need to see Chelsea yeah. nice smile. Yeah. She's a wonderful person. One of the things I kind of look at fondly uh, about the media today, because I never got to experience it, because I was out before social media really mm. um, became prevalent is that able the ability to get reaction to your stories uh, almost in real time, right? It used to be, like, coming from a newspaper background, you put the paper out, and then like, maybe you get a letter to the editor. Usually they're not too flattering. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were never, you know, like, very few people took oh, the time to write. they just email them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Email them, or, the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, like, now you see it on, uh, like, I think back to, to the Chelsea's, where we could see right away the impact that her story had, thanks to social media so uh, as, a, as a storyteller as a as a journalist um, how has social media kind of changed the way that you, you know you go about your job or the way that um, um, people react to the work you do I guess that's that's a tough one because I don't like to in a sense react to social media input on my stories because I think the story stands for itself and I'm not going to necessarily change something in reaction. I mean, there's a lot of negative and positive on social media. It is a good gauge to see how much interest there is and it's also an amazing tool for for other stories. We do a story like, like the one we did with someone like Chelsea, other people will reach out. Yeah. And it just and that way it allows you to keep following up, to keep focusing on a particular issue because people who are interested in that it's so much easier for them to reach out to us and to connect with us and to say, hey, here's another way of looking at it. Here's another story. And I love that. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, social media feedback has been great, which is really powerful because people tend not to reach out with positive. More people tend to kind of tell you what you it's did wrong than what you did right. And sometimes you can get caught up in the, the vocal minority sometimes. And, and it so can, I'm saying sometimes it gives voice to people mm-hmm. who otherwise... Well, I always say something. I mean... We love social media, but I always say sometimes it, it can bring out the worst people and the worst in people as well because they feel there's no accountability to some of the things that they say. Well, Chelsea's an excellent example. Her she life. was bullied yeah. online. There was a Facebook page yes. you know, oh. dedic- 
basically calling for her to die. I mean, that's horrible. That's social media at its worst. As you said, at its best, it can help reduce stigma and get rid of, yes. of sort of bring things from behind the curtain. Yeah. It's funny because when we did the story, when Chelsea first told her story a couple of years ago, um, it was a lot about uh, the, her experience with social media, right? Uh, for our audience, this is a young girl who was uh, 15, 16 years old at the time. Um, but most of her, like preteen and teen years, she had been bullied physically. She had been uh, uh, she'd been pushed downstairs. She had been thrown into a creek. She's she just had a really difficult time, basically uh, most of her uh, adolescence, and uh, and it continued online where she was being bullied with messages. She would post something on Twitter and get responses uh, that were less than flattering, and uh, she was hesitant. I think uh, when we first shared her story because she, you know she's going back out there. But then when she first shared her story with us, the positive reaction, I think, was like vindicating for her. Right. And people were a little bit older at that time, too, like her, her peer group. And she was able to experience both the worst in social media as an adolescent and the best in social media. But I, sorry, I was just going to say, I agree. Like, I think sometimes, though, in her perspective and our perspective, that this small minority seems like everyone. So when you're hearing this stuff and you're afraid to tell about it, but there's so many supportive people that just don't know, and by sharing your story, they come to the forefront, but you don't know they're out there. You just you think everybody, that person that's bullying you or tormenting you, you think that's representative of, of a broader picture, and I think that's what she's, you know, sharing her story. There's so many people that came out and said, good for you. You know, people that were at her school that, that were kind of just on the fringe that didn't, weren't, supportive or negative but didn't know and they're like oh my god you went through that right so that's the power of the storytelling and, and when you were saying you know she felt you know should she speak out she has to go back into a school environment and i think it kind of it it's sort of a parallel on a in a different way but in the same way for adults in the working world and again it goes back to the stigma they're away from work do they want to tell anybody why because what's going to happen they're going to come back to work maybe it won't be as obvious bullying but they're worried about their career their co-workers right. how people will react i have heard stories of people going back to work and being bullied mm -hmm. because they had to leave due to a mental illness so it's kind of sad that it's not just among kids and that age that i mean you see it in workplaces as well oh, right. and we were yeah. just talking with somebody earlier today about workplace mental health and um, we have a program called Mental Health First Aid, you know, which a lot of workplaces are adopting because they have the, the prevalence of mental health and the impact that poor mental health can have on their businesses is, is so great. And uh, I wonder, like, have you seen in your professional life kind of a more, a, a more of a tolerance to, to mental health issues? Like, you're in a pretty demanding position. You're, you're, you're on TV every day. There's different challenges that you face than somebody else in, in a different working environment. I think speaking in general terms, we talk the talk, we don't walk the walk. Yeah. Mm. I think that stories we do, and I'm so happy we do more of them, and there's certainly an appetite for it. You know, I don't, I don't have to fight to do these stories. Uh, they want them. Uh, but I think as far as dealing with individuals in a workplace, like any other workplace, I think the media as a whole, speaking in general terms, uh, still has a long way to go, like, like many mm. other like many other industries and communities that it's easy to say and gives lip service to, oh, no, we're supportive and we help. But then you look at people's realities and it doesn't always match. It's easier to be supportive when it's not impacting your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, I think exactly. we've all experienced, whether it's mental health or, or anything else, right? When 
you work for an organization or you're part of a, a group, um, it's one thing to have a policy that uh, permits certain privileges. It's another thing to make people comfortable in accessing those their rights and privileges. Exactly. A policy is just that. It's something written on a piece of paper. It's what the reality is that people are dealing with. And we talked about that too. It really has to be top down. If, if the CEO speaks about mental health if, or someone, a VP talks about, I was off for postpartum depression, I think that empowers people in the company to feel okay to share that story because I could still make that higher role. Look at what they become sharing the story. Where people, other t- people won't look down on me. They won't think yeah. I'm weak. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you're seeing it with celebrities right now, right? Like Kristen Bell um, is the one we've talked about recently. You talk about her all the time. I think, <laughs> oh, I think, well. I think, I think she may be filing a restraining yeah. order pretty soon. No, but she is, uh, so she just came out recently and talked about her struggle with anxiety and depression. Jeez. And uh, she's been battling it for 15 years. Yeah. So why why is she talking about it now? Because she finally feels comfortable. I'm assuming she finally feels comfortable in her career, as well as who she is as a person, to come out and, and speak about it. I'm sure she, there was some anxiety that it was going to negatively impact her career. Imagine if you were a young actor beginning in Hollywood, and and you sort of had a little bit of success, but you're just on the edge, and then you start talking about. Uh, difficulties with anxiety or other mental illnesses, I, I don't think they'd see you as all that bankable. Well, exactly. we had that when we had uh, Joe Pantoliano uh, at our hospital, and he from talked the about Sopranos. Yeah, from oh, the Fugitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the Fugitive he, Sopranos. So he's been very active in, in, in mental health advocate. But he talked about, you know, producers calling his agents saying, "Well, what if he has a breakdown on set? Like, how are you going to guarantee I'm not going to be?" you know, behind in filming, and it's like that stigma exists. You know, it's sort of to change the subject, but along the same lines, the one that I was most horrified by, uh, do you remember the German pilot mm. that oh, yes. crashed the plane? Yep. Do you know how many people I heard oh. after that? I mean, what made me think of it, you're saying, is he going to break down on set? So people are saying, now, are you capable? You've mm-hmm. had a mental illness, are you capable? How many people said, how could they ever let a person who had had depression fly a plane <laughs> yeah. seriously yeah. do you yeah. know how many times I heard, i'm like seriously yeah. i'm pretty sure there's people out there driving buses and cars and like <laughs> yep. it, and that that is a concern and then how how the media covers that mm-hmm. is i mean th- that one in particular very was very tough uh as somebody invested in mental health and and eliminating stigma the headlines associated with that uh that incident and even some of the like the, you see that some of the violence that's occurring in the u.s the debate over gun control versus, uh, you know, they, they always oh, point to it being a mental health issue. And, um, you know, I don't have an opinion either way. That's not, you know, that's not my country. But the the coverage that you see from some of those places, it, it's it's tough to look at. Well, one of the things mm. they were saying is that perhaps, you know, um, any, any job like that, that uh, doctors should have to report to the employer if they were treating someone for a mental illness. Really, how many people do you think given the stigma that we're talking about that still exists, are going to go and get help. Right. Knowing If that. they feel like the first thing it's going to go is do is go back to their employer. It just forces they, everything you know? underground. And it's like, we all, we know that in any, any illness, early intervention can have great results. And so, you know, could you imagine if it was cancer and, we, you know, and, and you force people to, they, you didn't hear about cancer until it was in the fourth stage or something because we don't want to share because it it's going to impact my job. Well, that's the thing with mental health. If you if you if you tell people now that you coming forward is going to mean that you're not going to get a promotion, you're not going to get a certain job. Well, they're going to keep it to themselves until it becomes exactly. And that's where we get the reaction is because when you look at a lot of these sentinel events with mental illness, 
Um, there are people that fell through the cracks that didn't that could have been helped early on, and because of that, we only help them now because they came through this door. They finally came to the bottom where it's police intervention or court intervention to get help because we failed them as a society. And that's what we're doing. I, I was talking to a young woman who works at a, at a food chain, and she was saying they're introducing a new policy where as part of their medical benefits, it's going to include, I don't know the exact numbers, that's why I'm not naming them, but it's, it's something like $5,000 for help for mental illness. Wow. Do you know how few, most of them, you know, you can go to the doctor, you can go to the physio, can you go to a psychologist? Is that covered? And that's also important if you start adding those kinds of things oh, in. Yes. Maybe more people will get help sooner and... Mm. That is great. Looping back to the media, there's uh, sport. Sports are um, filled with stigma in uh, infusing mm. language. Notorious. Sure. Oh, oh, I got to think of one. Like yeah. the, the, it, it is baffling to me in, in, in today's world that they they seem to be the last one to make the adjustment. You see it all the time. The word psycho or you know same that, home, schizophrenic, a lot of homophobic. Type. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. see it like a, uh, you see it in mainstream sports media that that uh, they don't shy away from those terms. And I think the world has changed a bit. I mean, we still have, uh, there still are uh, words that are stigmatizing that are in our lexicon, but from your perspective, are you, are you more careful with the words that you would use in your uh, in professional a- life? Absolutely. Uh, I will fully admit, last time I was there, there were a few, at Ontario Shores, Shores there were a few times, uh, you know, I joke around a lot with my cameraman, that I went to say something and I thought, wait a second. Is that an appropriate word choice that we just use in everyday life mm-hmm. that all of a sudden when you're more aware, I, yeah, it really is appropriate. It's a whole different level when you're you know, broadcast or print media. Very, very careful. And I think that there's a duty for the media to kind of lead the way on mm-hmm. this, to use terms appropriately. I, I mean, the simplest one is, is you know, uh, when, when you're discussing a disability, it's the person first and the disability second. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't say, uh, you know, uh, a blind person. It's a person. It's a right. person who has a disability or who is visually impaired. And I think it's important that the media does pay attention and start to use correct terminology and even a more casual banter or ad lib. Be careful of word choices uh, because I think it does impact day-to-day life and, like, and what's acceptable and what word choices other people use. Like one that comes out all not just sports, but crazy is used to define anything that doesn't make sense. So <laughs> if a politician makes a decision or something, a columnist will say, what a crazy, you know, why can't they just be stupid? <laughs> like, why is it, why do we define that as yeah. like a bad decision? Anything that we don't, it seems like anything that we don't understand or makes sense to us, we define as crazy. It's a long road, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, seriously, uh, these words, uh, like They've I been say, part they, of the mainstream for so long. Yeah. Right? Yes. Mainstream media, mainstream society. It's, and we've come it, a long hard. way with a lot of, again, the visual disabilities, but I think there's still, I think it's the next the it could next be the next one wave. To tackle. Mm. It will be the next wave. Yeah. Um, you know, we've heard the last couple of years a lot about uh, transgender. Mm. And I think transgender and mental illness are sort of the last areas where it seems to me a lot of people are still comfortable being public, not media. I'm just talking about the average person yes. who I talk to, are still comfortable being a bit discriminatory or putting down or making jokes about in a way that they would never, never do today in this day and age about other issues. That, that they would have in the past. I think those are the two that are kind of like... Yeah, they're like the last great Victorian yeah. shames. You can pretty much be anything you want in the, today's world, but you can't, you can't have yeah. mental... You can't be crazy. 
right? You can't, you can't, yeah. you can't be any of those stigmatizing but, words. But, you know, years ago, people, and now people will call me, if you said someone was retarded, today people will stop you and say, exactly. not acceptable, mm-hmm. right? We're just not there when it comes to mental illness or transgender issues. Hopefully yeah. that, you agree, hopefully... We're, we're sooner than later. We're going to stop people. The last frontier. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. It, 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 I hope it's so. going to take a long time, but it, I just find some of the um, some of the more extreme words, right? Like psycho, like well, bipolar. Like you're seeing there's some pushback now, right? Like you're just like you're seeing with body shaming in women on social media. I think mm-hmm. of uh, a, a model who recently took a picture of a woman um, changing in a, in a uh, gym in L.A. and posted it on on uh, her Twitter account. And body sh- completely disrespected this woman, and the backlash that she got. She lost sponsors. She's lost her her livelihood, and it's going to take some time until until we're there. But I am surprised that some of those more like um, those more stigma- severely stigmatizing words are still part of it. Yeah. Like crazy, I understand. It's been part of our like. I don't like it, but I can understand it. But some of the other ones, it's like oh, really like we can we can't find a better way to describe that. And sometimes, and, sorry, I was just going to say sometimes it's not just the words that. Sometimes you let that go. It's the intent. Yeah. You know, what's the intent behind? Like if somebody just says, man, I had a crazy day. I'm not going to hang on a second. But if they call some, if it's personal, if they make that personal against somebody as a negative, that's when you got to stop them and say, not cool. Do you think some of it goes back again to a lack of understanding? Uh, for example, and whether it's the average person or your average journalist, myself included, you know, how much does the average person understand or know about, um, for example, schizophrenia? They don't. Really? What, other than, what, what, what does the average person heard? Oh, wow, somebody heard voices. In that. What? In really? The, yeah. So I think it's that lack of understanding makes it sort of, in people's minds, a bit permissible. Even, you know? the, even not, not even the, the average person. Like you, you run into people, especially around the non-criminally responsible verdict, right? There is so much misinformation and unknown around that. We have to do a better job as a service provider in educating people about that. But in day-to-day conversations, when there are prominent um, trials going on or there's a NCR verdict handed out, you're talking to people who are maybe in uh, EMS services or uh, you know in community health organizations. And they don't understand it sometimes. And some of the conversations I have, I'm like, we're we're not even there yet. And some, you know, like, it's disappointing and it's discouraging at times. But we are, you know, I guess we need to keep balance that that we are making progress. It's just sometimes it doesn't feel like we are. And it's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> to well, improve it because that's part of your well, job. And, yeah. and, well, and, and also, like, you know, you right? look at, we talk about, yeah. for example, police and not enough mental health, even though they one in five and they deal with. I think the same with journalism schools. What are we, t- are we bringing that concept? If one in five people are dealing with a mental illness, we should teach journalists that piece. Okay, you're going to probably at some point encounter, and I don't know how, I mean, we, we teach them court reporting a lot and the city hall and municipal and stuff. Mm. Maybe you need to, at that level, do more education for new journalists coming I'd be very system. curious. You know, I, I went to journalism school <coughs> That's okay. some we, years ago. Yeah, no, uh, and obviously things have changed a lot. I'd be very curious if they talk about PTSD at all. Mm-hmm. A lot of journalists see and go through a lot of very dramatic mm-hmm. things, like frontline sure. emergency mm-hmm. workers. Yeah. It was never brought up when I went to journalism no. school, but it wouldn't have been. It wasn't really known then. But I'd be curious now as to if they do address some of that. Yeah, I guess we, have to, we should 
Mark that down. We have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> Go guest lecture to school let's, now. Let's, yeah. let's call. <laughs> I just need one more thing. But seriously, sure. whether it's for their own, for, for journalists' own mental well-being, yeah. or, or understanding it to cover it. For but sure. I, I'd be curious whether they actually address that. Yeah, I, yeah. so would I. We'll get that answer. Yeah. Will we? We'll work <laughs> yeah, we'll on that? Work okay, on we'll work on that. <laughs> but it's clear, like, when it comes to mental health in the courts, the most of the time the reporters are learning on the fly yes. oh, absolutely. And, oh, for and, sure. I, and I understand it, that there's so many demands on them but it's it's quite clear that they're you know it's a complicated system you think about the court system being complicated the mental health like the forensic mental health mm. system it is complicated yeah because there's nothing black or white no. no right people can see if if you have cancer and you're sure. physically ill they can't see it so they have to oh am I taking a doctor's word for it that this person did you know it's that's Plus part I of it. Is it's a lot of gray areas, and you can't. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and and I also think it's uh, for journalists. And we talk about police. It's it's not so much educate. It's what do you bring to the table? What do you? Because I mean, as journalists, we want to you know be unbiased and stuff. But we all have perceptions. So if you you know, I say same with the police officer. What's your view of somebody with a mental illness when you go and cover that story? Did you grow up? watching TV and shows or have a perception that it was a weakness or that it's an illness that we need to help. So that can't help but kind of permeate into Absolutely. what we do. Absolutely. Everyone's human, or whether it's the judge sitting on the, exactly. on the case or exactly. the police or the investigators or the journalists. And also, it is such a complex issue. And and we always joke around, journalists know all a very little bit about a lot, about a lot of different <laughs> yes, things. Yeah. So we go exactly. running in and trying to say something correct and intelligent. It's only a very little bit, and then we run on to a different topic the next day, and that's right. that's what makes it so difficult. And I don't think people realize, and maybe things have changed, but you come in that day, you might have a plan, but your plan could change in oh. a heartbeat. Could and change halfway situ- through the day. Yeah, and you're in a situation where you're, you're, you have maybe very little familiarity with the topic, with the with the in person no and you're trying to you're, you're trying to get yourself up to speed and and do justice to the story even, at the same even time. look at your average court reporter years ago when i started with global for a couple of years i, I pretty much did love crime reporting covered a lot of court cases over the years i'm just trying to rack my brain even to think of any that i've personally covered um that had that as an outcome mm-hmm. so even a even a journalist who does a lot of court might and crime might right. not see a lot of that and i have a lot of experience with that kind of an mm. argument or that sure. kind of ruling, right? So that makes it tough. Yep. Well, it's like anything. The more familiar you are, the better yeah. job you're going to do. Exactly. And uh, you're right. It could be they could be there for years without in every situation, especially when it comes to uh, mental health in the courts. Every like I get it. Every everything going in a criminal court is different. But I think the uniqueness factor in the forensic mental health system is is far greater. Like the the, the circumstances, the, mm. the amount of peop, sheer amount of people involved, right? Like the the amount of doctors and medical professionals that would be involved in in, in that kind of proceeding. It's a lot to get, get your head around. And again, because it, you you can't do a test. Here's a blood test. You test for this or that. Okay. It's yeah. so much more complex. Yeah. Right? Well, this was great. great. Yeah, this that was, was good. We could go on for another hour, probably. But, but thank you very much for joining oh, us. Oh, thank you very yeah, much for awesome. giving me the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Great. Yeah. And it's, uh, what's it like to be on the other end of questions? Like, have you had that experience before? Very seldom, and I prefer asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little more control over the situation uh, that way. We were pretty easy, though. We're not Absolutely. Easy. Are we okay? Absolutely. We're in two. Come on, bring it on.
begins and ends with 